Yeah. So for the most part, I was a good kid. But I definitely had my moments, you know, where I where I maybe wasn't the best kid I could have been. So I'm going to tell you a story this morning. Some of you may know this about me, but you may not. So I was eight years old when we moved to Ohio. And my parents, my dad's a pastor in, in, in South Carolina, and he gets called to Lawrenceville. And so we moved to Ohio when I'm eight years old. But the pastor that we're uh, coming in after is still living in the parsonage. And so he needs to find a place to live. So we need to find a place for us to live for a couple months while he was working things out. So one of the uh, parishioners, one of the people in the church, had a rental house that was in Lawrenceville. It was a cute little rental house. He said, you know what, you can live there for a few months for free while we get things figured out at the church. So... We moved into this little house in Lawrenceville, and just as it happened, my next-door neighbor, Austin, was the same age as me, and he was in my grade, and he went to the same classes as me, and so he was kind of like this built-in friend right next door to where I needed to be. It seemed like a really good situation. However, Austin had a little bit of a different home life than me. He, let's say he had a little bit more freedom than I did. And that ended up with him getting in a little bit more trouble than I would have on a normal basis. But we would hang out after school every day. So his more free spirit led me to do some things that I probably would not have done on my own. So he was right next door to me. We'd go hang out. And one day he's like, hey, follow me. Come, come, come with me. So we sneak downstairs and his mom's taking a nap. Right? So we sneak downstairs. His mom's taking a nap. And on the table is a package of her cigarettes and her lighter. All right? So he sneaks down the steps. He's really quiet. I'm just, like, standing at the corner of the doorway. Like, I'm not sure I want to be part of this. So he walks over and he grabs a cigarette, a single cigarette out of his mom's package. And he grabs the lighter off the table. And he quietly sneaks back to the steps and we walk upstairs he's like hey come with me so we go out behind his house there's like this little shed similar to where we like keep our mower and we walk behind the shed and he lights up the cigarette and he starts smoking it and he's like in you know this is like i'm already extremely uncomfortable because i never really done anything this bad in my life like even close to this and it didn't look like this was the first time he had done it either. He uh, seemed a little experienced with the whole lighting and smoking situation. So he hands me, hands me the cigarette and he says, Here, take, take a puff. Smoke the cigarette. And I'm like holding this thing. I have no idea what I'm doing. It's like hot and like there's like smoke coming out of it and ashes. And I'm like, it smells bad. I, <laughs> I don't even know if I want anything to do with this. But he kept pressuring me, and he was my best friend at the time. He kept pressuring me and pressuring me. So eventually, I took a puff of the cigarette. And that's how the pastor's kid smoked a cigarette at eight years old. That's <laughs> <laughs> and at first, it was a really big secret. Like, I felt super guilty. I, I took one puff of the cigarette. I was like, ugh, like, started spitting on the ground. Like, it was disgusting. I wanted nothing to do with it. And I'm like, you know what, I'm, I'm just leaving. So, like... I hand it back to him and I walk the 
25 feet over to my back door and walk in my house. So, like, we're, like, literally right next to each other. And I kept this a secret for a really long time, and it kind of just faded into my past until, like, a few years ago I was at Fuel. I was like, I need a sermon illustration. I was like, oh, yeah, I smoked a cigarette when I was 8 years old. And that was a pretty big thing. (laughs) Austin... That's not the only thing Austin led me to do that was wrong. He uh, got me into trouble a few different times. One time we were building a tree house and someone else's tree on their property. And he's like, no, it's totally fine. And you're like, we found some wood somewhere and like a hammer and some nails. And like we started nailing boards into this tree and we got chewed out for that. And uh, there was another time where he stole money from his mom and we went to the corner market in Lawrenceville and bought like $45 worth of candy and I got chewed out for that too I didn't know he stole the money though to be fair and there was another time there's this mechanic shop right across the street from the corner market it's kind of a T like here's the corner market here's the mechanic shop and then here's like the road that the main road through Lawrenceville and uh, this mechanic was like on his lunch break or something back and forth and he was drinking a beer over lunch break or something you know that's we're not judging him for that that's not part of the story but he's drinking a beer at lunch break and so austin's like hey we should throw this beer bottle in the air and let it come down the the concrete and crash and break i was like that seems like a stupid idea but we did it anyway so we threw this beer bottle in the air and it like came down and crashed it was really cool to watch but then we got really chewed out this guy started cussing at us yell at us like threatening us and like we just ran back to my house and you know there was some like there was I had a lot of conversation with my parents because of Austin (laughs) there were a lot of things and there are more that I'm not even mentioning now that he led me to do that I would not have done on my own and it's because I looked up to him he was my friend i was imitating him whatever he did i wanted to do also and that had a negative impact on my life you guys have you guys ever had a friend like that or a family member maybe like the crazy uncle or something that's like hey let's go shoot bottle like let's go shoot fireworks at each other or something like get grab some roman candles and any any do you have you guys ever had friends like that or is it just me okay Chuck, it's not just me. I know that for a fact. Maybe I'm that friend to you, Chuck. Is that? So, that's what we're going to be talking about today. We have been Last week we talked about imitating Christ. We talked about imitating God. And this week we're going to be kind of flipping that on his head and looking at how maybe... It's more easy than we think to be imitators of the things of this world and get off track. So if you would, please turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 11. We're going to be looking at how these negative influences impact our lives. So Moses is giving his last commands to the Israelites before they go into the promised land. He's not able to go with them, so he's not going to be their leader anymore. And so he wants to make sure that he leaves them prepared. 
And so that's where we're picking up in uh, verse 11, or chapter 11. We're going to read the first seven verses. Moses says this, You shall therefore love the Lord your God and always keep his charge, his statutes, his ordinances, and his commandments. Know this day that I am not speaking with your sons who have not known and who have not seen the discipline of the Lord your God, his greatness, his mighty hand, and his outstretched arm, and his signs and his works, which he had done in the midst of Egypt to Pharaoh the king of Egypt and to all his land. And what he did to the Egypt's army, to his horses and his chariots, when he made the water of the Red Sea engulf them while they are pursuing you, and the Lord completely destroyed them. And what he did to you in the wilderness until you came to his place, to this place. And what he did to Dethan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, the son of Reuben, when the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them, their households, their tents, and every living thing that followed them among all Israel. But your own eye has seen all the great work of the Lord, which he did. So it's a pretty interesting way to start because uh, Moses is supposed to be instructing them here. Why is he reminding them of what God has done? Why is that the case? Well, it's because he wants them to remember that God's in charge, right? That God is the only true God, the one who's able to save them from Egypt. He wants to remind them what they saw and experienced over the last 40 years. And he's doing that so that they get in their mind, hey, maybe I should listen to this God. See what he did to the Egyptians. See what he did to Dathan when he uh, disobeyed and tried to take over Israel. He was swallowed up in the earth. Listen to God. Listen to God. And Moses mentions these works, and I think in preparation for what he says to the Israelites in verse 16. Let's hop down a few verses and look at verse 16 and 17 here. He says this, Beware that your hearts are not deceived, and that you do not turn away and serve other gods and worship them, or the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you, and he will shut up the heavens so that the tree will so that there will be no rain on the ground, and it will not yield fruit. And you will perish quickly from the good land which the Lord is giving you. So Moses is pretty much saying here, Hey, listen up. Look at what God has done, what other gods have not done. What have the other so-called gods done for Egypt, right? They didn't help them when they were chasing you. Don't be fools. Don't think that there's any other way to follow God. And if you do follow God, there's going to be a blessing that goes along with that. And if you don't, you're going to be in big trouble. I wish I had gotten this kind of warning from someone about Austin when I moved to Ohio. No one knew what Austin was up to. I wish God would have said, hey, 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 Josiah, don't listen to Austin, okay? Listen to me. Listen to your parents. Don't listen to Austin because he's going to get you in trouble. And I think the reason that Moses is giving this warning to Israel is because he knows that they are about to head into a land filled with other people who don't believe in God, who don't follow him, who don't look to God as their leader. And if they don't do a good job of separating themselves from that, eventually 
they are going to be influenced by the things that surround them. And this is why Moses gives them a very, very drastic command in chapter 12. Look at chapter 12 with me. We're going to read the first four verses. So Moses is saying, hey, when you enter the promised land, this is what you need to do. These are the statutes and the judgments which you shall carefully observe in the land which the Lord, the God of your fathers, has given you to possess as long as you live on the earth. You shall utterly destroy. That means completely, without any remnant. You shall utterly destroy all, all the places where the nations whom you shall dispossess serve their gods. On the high mountains and on the hills and under every green tree, you shall tear down their altars and smash their sacred pillars and burn their asherim with fire. And you shall cut down the graven, engraved image of their gods and obliterate their name from that place. You shall not act like this toward the Lord your God. Look, look at the strong words that he says here. He says, utterly destroy. He says uh, to tear down, to burn with fire, to cut down and to obliterate. <laughs> like Moses is using strong words here. He's saying, Get rid of everything. Not Don't leave one little coin left that has a fake God on it. Don't leave any of the temples. And in fact, God commands Joseph when he goes into the promised land to rid the land of every single foreign person. To rid them of their customs and their cultures. To, to not take their things. To just leave everything as, as if it was all the natural things to leave. And just let God and his rulership be in the land totally, to just get rid of everything else. And I think Moses is telling them to destroy every remnant of idol worship in the land because he knows that if the Israelites spend too much time around these idols and around these people, they're going to start wondering about these gods and their customs. And they're going to be tempted to follow these gods and these people instead of Yahweh. Look at what Moses says just a few verses later in chapter in verses 29 through 31 of chapter 12. When the Lord your God cuts off before you the nations which you are going to dispossess, and you dispossess them and dwell in their land, beware that you are not ensnared to follow them. After they are destroyed before you, and that you do not inquire after their gods, saying, how do these nations nations serve their gods that may I also do likewise? You shall not behave thus towards the Lord your God for every abominable act which the Lord hates they have done for their gods for they even burn their sons and daughters in the fire to their gods. So Moses is saying God is going to go before you and he's going to cut these nations off. He's going to take them out of the land before you if you follow his commands. And he says, don't ask how do these people worship their God so that I can do the same thing. Don't be curious about that. Don't even ask that question. Turn over a few chapters to chapter 18.
In 18 verse 9, Moses says it perfectly. When you enter the land which is the Lord which your Lord your God gives you, you shall not learn to imitate the detestable things of those nations. You shall not learn to imitate them. If I was Israel, Austin would have been the people of the land, all right? I knew that it was not right for me to steal. I know it wasn't right for me to illegally smoke a cigarette underage or bust a glass bottle on the sidewalk or build a treehouse on someone else's property. But I did it anyway because I was imitating the person that I spent time with. I was imitating someone that I thought was cool, that I thought was fun, that I thought just did whatever they wanted, and that was attractive. And we are more susceptible than we think we are to following other people. And we have to make a conscious effort to put those things aside if we want to follow God. The third, uh, John's third book, chapter 1, verses 11 says, Do not imitate what is evil, but do what imitate what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. So it's very clear in this verse that there are only two ways. You can either imitate God or you can imitate evil. There isn't a third option. It's not like you can be partially good and do what God wants you to do sometimes and then follow whatever you want to do the other time. If you're doing that, you're not following God at all. You either have to follow God or you imitate evil. And the worst thing is when you think you're following God and you say you're following God, but you're actually doing whatever you want anyway and you're following the world. Listen to the bite in Jesus' words when he's talking to the Pharisees in Matthew 23. Then Jesus said to the crowd and his disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So be careful to do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do. For they do not practice what they preach. The worst part that Jesus says is about the Pharisees and the teachers of the law is that they knew what God said. They knew what God wanted them to do. They knew what he was about, but they didn't do it. They didn't imitate God. Instead, they did whatever they wanted to do. A form of godliness, but not godliness. And being selfish and doing what we want to do instead of what God wants to do is really just imitating the world because that's what the world is all about. And it might not be a conscious decision that we make, but we can see the results of the practice in our lives. Sometimes when we choose to do what we want instead of what God wants. That's what Jesus saw in the Pharisees. So here's some things that I think we all need to take away from this lesson today. Number one, don't put yourself in a position to fail. I unknowingly at that time when we moved to Ohio put myself in a position to fail because Austin was the closest friend I had. It just made sense for us to hang out. But I didn't know that Austin was going to be a bad influence on me. But if anybody saw what Austin was really doing when he was sneaking around and hiding and stealing, they would have predicted that I was going to end up in a bad situation 
if I hung out with Austin. God told Moses that the Israelites were heading in the wrong direction, and if they don't remove all the idol worship in the land, they're going to fall into it. And guess what? They didn't remove all the idol worship in the land. They put themselves in a bad position. They thought that they were going to worship God, but guess what? They didn't. They fell to the idols. They fell to the customs of the land. They even eventually, at some point, killed their own children, burned them in the fire, sacrificing them to Molech. And God is warning us of the same thing. Don't put yourself in a compromising position. Don't surround yourself with people who don't follow God. That's why we have the family of God. That's why we have each other. When you want to know what living like God looks like, look at the community here, right? That doesn't mean that you can't talk to people who don't follow God. That means you can't be friends with people who are not Christians. That's, that's not what this teaching is about. But it's saying, hey, why don't you prepare yourself, put yourself in a position to succeed in following God. Don't hurt your chances of that. And the, sep- the second thing that we need to take away is that we are more susceptible than we think, right? We, we think we're these strong people who make up our minds and have wills of iron that can do whatever we want to do whenever we want to do it. But the truth is we're not. We're people. We fail sometimes. We mess up. And the Israelites said the same thing. They said, we promise we won't fall away from you, God. We promise that we will only worship you. We promise that we will not fail you. And they thought that they had the strong moral guidance that they needed to do that without fail. But one generation later, after Joseph, everything's messed up again. And they get back on track. That's what the book of Judges is all about. It's about these people making commitments and covenants to God and promises and then failing right after. Right? That's, that's humanity. You're more susceptible than you think. Austin proved that with me. I thought that I was a good kid. I thought that I was always going to make good decisions, be obedient to my parents. But Austin taught me otherwise. Austin proved me wrong. And he's not the only one. There were many times in middle school and high school where I thought that I was going to be the strong Christian kid, but I ended up being in places and doing things that I shouldn't have been. But the it works both ways. I was also a positive influence on people in high school. I ended up bringing some of my friends to Christ through the power of God. I mean, no credit to me, but my presence in their lives had an impact on them. So... We can't just separate ourselves, but we need to have the wisdom to say, this is an appropriate time for me to be here and maybe I should leave (laughs) now. I need to, I don't need to do this, but I can do this. And what we talked about over the last couple weeks are simple ideas, but they are fundamental. And we always have to go back to the fundamentals because on occasion we get lost in the practice of the What we're doing on a week-to-week basis, we get lost in planning worship services and writing sermons and going to work and making sure snack is ready. And we we get lost in all these things that we're doing on a daily basis. And we forget that, hey, where where am I? Who am I letting influence me? Where where are we walking in our daily lives? And these are the perfect times to reevaluate our priorities, to look at what we're doing and what we're practicing to pick what we are following, to pick what we are imitating.
And we need to choose to set aside the things we don't like, the things that are not of God. And by choosing to obey God, what we're really doing is imitating Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. The word Christian was first used in Latin. And it was a, it was a word not in the New Testament. But it says, it means to follow Christ. It means to be a Christ follower. That's what Christian means. It means to imitate Jesus. So we have a choice to make. We can either imitate Jesus or we can imitate the people around us. And I think we know which one's a better choice to make. Let's go ahead and pray. God, I just thank you for this fun opportunity for us to be out here this morning, uh, enjoying the sunshine and nature. I pray that you give us the courage that we need to imitate your son, the wisdom that we need to do that, the strength we need to do that. And let us be wise about setting aside the things of this world by being separate, not being a part of the world, but being in the world all the same. Let's be shining lights to the people around us. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.